Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Dark Rose Comics Podcast. This is a podcast where we dissect and analyze the deeper meanings of comics while attempting to become coffee connoisseurs. Uh, we've been sort of been on this journey for a couple of weeks now and uh, I think we are uh, a bit of success here and there, but we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, my name is Jerry E and I'm joined by my co-host, Victor Young. Uh, on this week's episode, the coffee that we'll be dissecting and talking about is called Tuarco Jaya from Indonesia. It is brewed by Detour Coffee Roasters, and the books that we'll be discussing are Batman the Merciless and Batman the Devastator. Now, before we get into any of that, uh, since we last spoke on the podcast, what have you been up to, Victor? The Walking Dead has been keeping me busy. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm not entirely happy with the direction that it's gone this season so far have you ever watched any of the episodes so far jerry i i actually okay so i dropped off the show around season five. Oh well forget it why am i even talking but, about <laughs> you <laughs> but I, I i have been reading like the the, the reviews and the stuff like that yeah for the episodes afterwards because i'm interested to see where they go right i just never ever found the time to actually sit there and watch the show yeah i mean it's it's gone in a really different direction from uh, from the the comic so far, right? So I mean, I, at this point, I don't even know what's gonna happen, right? Because I've I've read far enough into the comics where I sort of know where this arc is gonna go. But you know, with a lot of the big changes that they did so far in the season, I, I it's sort of up in the air for me. Yeah, they they took a detour. <laughs> detour. They t- <laughs> <laughs> they took a detour from the book. And it's not one of those detours that you can come back from. It's no, it's it's, a, it's gone. A, it's a big detour. Yeah, they they left. The, that's yeah. that's train left the station. And oh yeah, it, it yeah, it's like you bought a ticket to the wrong train, <laughs> and then the right train just left. So, <laughs> so I mean, so we'll see how it goes. We'll yeah. we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I've also been trying to find time uh, to read up on the recommendation that you gave me the other night, which was uh, Swamp Thing, the Winter Edition. Oh right, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been the trying. Winter special. Winter right. special. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I've been yeah. I've been trying to uh, find time to read that, but it's a big book. It's it's like it's a novella. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's what is it like eighty pages? It's eighty pages. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a good book though. You'll you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I think it's I yeah. It seems good. It's probably something we'll we'll likely talk about in the future, right? Yeah, so, I think so. I think so. so. I definitely. I mean, after. Um, after we finish this Batman stuff, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we'll take a break from Batman yeah, after a while. Of course, now we'll, we'll talk about some other yeah. stuff. What about you, Jerry? What have you been up to? I, I've just been, again, reading, catching up on comics. There are a lot of books actually since, since the end of Secret War. Uh, mm-hmm. I've kind of fell off Marvel. Yeah, and as a lot of people did as, yeah as a lot of people did because <laughs> there, there was a whole bunch of writers that ended up leaving yeah a bunch of creative teams ended up leaving Marvel and the direction that they've gone afterwards hasn't been received in the in the most positive light there there are things that people really didn't seem to understand why they went the direction they went especially they've had so much success and for the for a while they've had success over DC as well right so yeah it, it was strange that they went that direction and essentially gave the throne over but well um, I mean I mean Marvel's been kind of like that for a long time though right? yeah like I think for the past like I would even say even the past like close to six or seven years where you know you have like two or three really good runs from Marvel that people enjoy mm-hmm but then other than that nothing stands out from from like their main big uh big runs right right like it's just like it's, it's more of like it, it is what it is sort of thing right yeah but yeah i mean like up to essentially up to secret war there was some really big runs yeah um and jonathan hickman was a big part of it like he, yeah he put together some big epics for them since then i haven't read a lot of marvel stuff but recently i read um and i think you, you need to read this um mm-hmm. so jeff lemire and um jeff lemire and mike diodato jr they did a run on Thanos. Okay. It's just called Thanos. Yeah. And that run is so good. Mm-hmm. And when that run finished, yeah, it was picked up. The story was essentially picked up. Uh, it wasn't restarted or anything. Um, so Donnie Cates is currently writing the, the essentially the continuation of that Thanos story. Right. And it is so good, so well written, and um, it go, and it's going in such directions that 
you don't normally see people take a villain story. Yeah. You you sympathize with them, but you hate them at the same time. Yeah. And it's just it's such a it's such a well written story. Okay, and that's well, uh, now I gotta read it. Now, now for now sure, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You gotta read it. And <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I have a feeling I'm just gonna keep tossing a lot of books at you. That's and, good. Uh, yeah, because then we'll just you know, and then we'll have things to discuss at the show. You know, we we'll plan out some episodes. It's all it's all gonna be fun. It's gonna be a good time. Yeah, it's gonna be good times. Good times. Good books. Right. So um, I think. Before we discuss any comics, uh-huh. it's uh, I, I like to get I like to get a cup of coffee to uh, to be able to sip through and sit there and enjoy our conversation about this. What kind of stuff, so. you you like a coffee as well? What? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's coffee time then. I guess so. Coffee time. Okay, and welcome to our coffee segment where we try one of the coffees that are sent into us and have it accompany us throughout our comics discussion. During the segment, we'll be trying to identify all the different fragrances and flavor notes and see how well we did compared to the notes provided to us. Mm-hmm. Today, we have a coffee from Indonesia called Tuarko Jaya from the Sulawesi region, and it's been roasted by Detour Coffee Roasters out in Burlington, Ontario. Nice. Smells pretty good so far. Yeah, pretty uh, good. But Jerry, why don't you start us off with a little bit of a sniff sniff? Okay, okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I looked. Just, just staring off into space. Just, yeah. It's, <laughs> like the stars it, it had, had the answers. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> there is a... A light chocolatey flavor. Okay. Light chocolatey flavor. Okay. But like very light. Almost like a milk chocolate, but uh, hmm, interesting. Yeah, off the first, off the first sniff. That's that's essentially what I got. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That's considering milk chocolate is a super artificial chocolatey smell. But listen, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Victor, let, please. Let, let me go in on this. Let me see. Careful. Yeah, I just don't want to tip it in my mouth by accident again. Eh? <laughs> You know what? So far, it's been it's been a really it's a really mild fragrance. Like you, right? you don't really pick up anything, right? Like a very mild chocolate. You know what? I smell it now. It's it's right? it's, <laughs> it's it's it. I wouldn't say it's quite milk chocolate more so than it is like a cocoa. Yeah, yeah. I I went with milk chocolate to try to bring back the neutral taste, like because I know we. Was it last week or week before even? I think yeah. it was a week before where we actually had a stronger dark chocolate, like a yeah. dark cocoa, right? Yeah. So this time I, I wanted to sort of just bring the fact that it's kind of had a mut- neutral, like a neutral smell to it. Yeah. So I went with milk. But, yeah. But the, yeah, so yeah. far that's that's really all I'm picking up in terms of fragrances as well. Okay. Yeah. Why all don't right. you give us a taste test? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> intensity okay that's like three sips already man <laughs> i know i, I gotta it's so good <laughs> i gotta stop uh, yeah oh, well, it's so I'm, good no, i'm kind of looking forward to it right now yeah no it's really good it's uh i'm getting kind of a the cocoa's darker now this time it's okay. a darker cocoa yeah and 90 percent chocolate no not, not quite 90 percent. <laughs> not the uh no, not quite regret. Uh, <laughs> it's about like 60, 70, 70, I'd say. Okay. But yeah, there's that and there's a hint of fruit, but it's, um, I'm not quite sure what kind of fruit. It is not acidic. Okay. So it's a... So nothing like citrusy or anything like no, that? No, not, not, not like that. So not like a citrusy flavor. So it doesn't have that 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 type of pop to it. It's yeah. A, it's a very neutral, very grounded flavor. Interesting. Yeah, give it a give it a try. Okay, all right. Let give me let taste. me let me do it this time. Let's see. Yeah. That first sip. Yep, that seventy percent is there. Yep, yep. Solid seventy. Hmm. There's like there's like a sour note to it. It's interesting. I can't I can't quite grasp it though this time. Right. Like it's good. Like you know, this coffee is good. You just keep going at it. Uh huh. But then it's just like, <laughs> but nothing pops out at you. Like that's that's 
that's very it's very unique like they picked a lot of different flavors that actually work really well yeah none of it none of it jumps out and mm-hmm. it's a lot of flavors that just really benefit each other yeah what are some fruit combinations we can think of that 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 do that that do that yeah uh that benefit like mm. apple and grape benefit each other pretty good okay pretty well um but it's not quite that like it, i wouldn't say it's apple and grape because apple and grape when you eat them together it's it's very sweet like it's very sweet that right, combination okay. yeah and this isn't i wouldn't say this is quite sweet more so than it is like a really mellow fruit flavor okay like i but i don't know what a mellow fruit would be though what's a fruit that when you eat it you're just like okay cool i just ate substance <laughs> and, and not uh, not very much of fruit uh <laughs> not, not like mm, nature sugar but like more mm, like just water I'm stuffed now uh, <laughs> there's, I, hmm. there's substance in my mouth uh that's a good question you know what kind of gives me that hmm, cherries sometimes but maybe that's just because i don't like cherries so no, cherries cherries like, have a cherries are so sweet. So I just think they taste neutral, but cherries are sweet. Maybe cherries have a very distinct flavor. Raspberries? Yeah. Like the mushy or blueberries even. Blueberries is like no, to no. me blueberries is like kind of mushy when you eat it it's just No, blueberries just, you know. blueberries have a have a very distinct taste as well. Well, yeah, it's distinct, but like I wouldn't call it like, like I wouldn't call it like a like a heavy flavor. Like maybe it, like a raspberry cuz to me raspberries it yeah, you know, I, I think raspberry. Yeah, I think raspberry would probably fit that description the best. Because some like because raspberries like they're sweet too, but yeah. some, but more times than not, when you eat a raspberry, it's it's more it's more sour. Yeah, and it's more more of a flat flavor. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean that's all I'm getting. Yeah. So what are we what are we resulting with? What are we resolve? Uh, we what are, are going to result with, I guess, raspberry and and seventy percent cocoa. Seventy percent cocoa. Okay. Yeah. What else? You want to throw a third thing? A in A third there? thing in there? Oh man. Okay. Well, there's usually take... three. Like when we end up reading the sheet, there's always yeah. three. Yeah. All right. So. Let me take another sip. Hold on. Um. Water. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Water melon. No, no, it's not watermelon. No, it's not watermelon. No, that's um, yeah, I don't know. I can't believe you said that. Watermelon is so good. And I just try to. It's, you said water. <laughs> just threw a melon on there. Okay, so if we were to, okay, if I had to pick a third one. Okay, so we're going, we're going with some cocoa. Yep. Some some dark cocoa. Yep. We're going with raspberry. If I had to throw in a third note, it would be an earthier note. Okay. Um. But something that's earth that you that hints at earthy but isn't quite earthy, hmm. like not too earthy. Uh, hmm. carrots. No, I just said earthy. Um. <laughs> so you want <went> with carrots? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like um. I don't taste a ginger in there either. No, there's no. So. Uh, even ginger, I wouldn't even say is an earthy thing either, though. Yeah, but we'll say. Let's go with. Um, uh, let's go with something something of more of a root. Let's go with like a really mild root, like a um, like a like a maybe even like a. Hmm, what's that? Like a radish, maybe. Radish, yeah, but radish has got a kick, does it? To me, it does. When I eat radish, oh really? It's, it's just, like it's just it's plain. It's just <laughs> it's like carrots. You? Oh no, carrots is <laughs> something else. Yeah. Um. Okay. You know what? Let's 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 go with cocoa, cocoa, raspberry, la- radish. <laughs> okay, that's like the most random combination uh, yeah, yeah, of things. Let's do it. All right. Let's okay. See. Let's see, let's see what, what we got. Let's see what we got. So, the notes for uh, Torakojea is fudge. Okay. Raspberry, okay, and uh, cola. Hmm. That's interesting. We were way off the mark on that one. <laughs> the kick from the cola, like 
I don't know. How would you? How would you? Even, how, how would you even like? How would you even get that note? Like that's how would you that's, taste? That's crazy. how would you taste a cola? I don't know. Here, let me go for one more. I don't. That's weird. No, I don't. I don't no. taste the cola at all. But you know what? Two out of three. Yeah, two you, out of three. You know what? You know, give her give ourselves a pat on the yeah, back. Yeah, this this is I I think our most successful one so far. No, I think I think last week's was pretty successful. Last week there wasn't any notes to, which to, was what made it so successful. <laughs> <There was laughs> because we weren't wrong. <laughs> there was no information to double check on. Like it wasn't even on their website. Like the the stuff was or even, even there. Not, even the week before in 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 episode uh, two, we 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 hit it pretty. Did we? Pretty bang apri- on on the nail, yeah. Apricot? Apricot? Yeah. Apricot? Is it apricot? Apricot, yeah. Apricot, okay. Don't ever say apricot. Apricot? <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. So that's... I think, yeah, I think we got it pretty bang on. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, the, I mean, the reason why we really kind of kind of actually look forward to the segment sometimes is it's it's good to it's good to know what kind of new coffee flavors are out there and what like the different roasters are doing and it's uh it's actually really interesting it's really neat yeah like i mean because the thing is like when you just think of coffee it's just coffee yeah. right like you get some like i don't know folgers <laughs> or, or whatever and then you have that in the morning but and then it's just like timmy's every day and, yeah and yeah. which is i mean which is basically me right like when like right before <laughs> Right before going to a job site, like it's like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Of it's course, Tim Hortons, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. have a choice. I can't just bring, I can't bring like beans with me on the job <laughs> site. Just and excuse me. Start making coffee as I as I grind this real quick. Yeah, Sorry, my journeyman would kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in any case, yeah, I think uh, I think this was a successful segment. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to uh, the comics discussion. Yeah, let's uh, let's take this drink with us and uh, let's go talk some comics. Yes, sir. And welcome to the comic segment. And this segment is when we take some of our favorite books and we dissect it down, we analyze it, we break it down, and we talk about it. And we talk about things that maybe the author intended, and maybe we talk about some things that author did not intend, just some things we find relevant. I don't know. But today, the first book we're going to talk about is Batman the Merciless. Uh, this book was written by Peter J. Tomasi with art and co- uh, well, actually, yeah, colors too, with art and colors done by Francis Manipal, and with letters done by Tom Napolitano, as usual. As usual. As usual, Tom, you're doing fantastic work. Just actually, you know, what? I want to call upon that on on every book. He changes up the style of yeah. the way he does his lettering, oh, yeah. and it's based on based on the um, based on the character. Yeah, and yeah. it's it flows so well. It actually it becomes. Um, it just, it becomes so ingrained into the artwork itself, and like it, it 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 flows with the the artistic style so well, and it's yeah, it's so great. It's, well, there's a reason why he's on every book. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> well, true. I, I guess in this series, anyway. <laughs> in this series, yeah, maybe they're just like you know what you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna letter everything, yeah. letter everything. But um, uh, but Francis Manipal though, man. Oh, oh, such a huge fan of his stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing. I uh, met him a few times. At the cons, like yeah. uh, at the Niagara Con and at the uh, Toronto Fan Expo. Yeah, yeah. Well, we it's... met him together back at uh, in Fan Expo 2016. Yeah, it's such a wonderful guy. Yeah, and uh, he just such does such amazing work. His colors are, I find to be the 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 best in what he does. Yep. There's a lot of people that do that type of like that uh, that watercolor almost. Yeah. With that pastel looking colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he just goes on the next level with them and. Um, and I know because you're you're a huge Flash fan. Yeah. Um, from his uh, from his Flash run from the from the New Fifty Two. Yeah. Yeah. That some stuff of was beautiful, man. So well done. So well done. He he, he portrayed the Flash visually. It was yeah. just the way he did it was so perfect. Yeah, it was amazing. It yeah. was amazing. And actually, I, I got the opportunity when I got him to sign my Superboy uh, trade paperback. Yeah. Uh, in the front inside, he um, actually doodled Crypto the dog. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty hilarious looking <laughs> Crypto the dog. Yeah. Maybe I'll post a picture of Crypto the dog on Instagram. Oh, you might uh, as you well. can find us on Instagram at Dark Rose Comics. Um, so, the for me the big the big idea for this book that I got out of it is um, because as we know, Batman the Merciless is essentially a character that uh, is at the at the tail end of a war with Ares, the God of War. Yes. Um, so it was him. Um, the last survivors was him. Uh, Batman and Wonder Woman. Yes, and 
Wonder Woman essentially risked her life and gave up her life to to knock off the helmet of Ares. Mm-hmm. And Batman, in that moment, fell to the temptation to try to end all wars because they were promised that this was going to be the end of all wars. Mm-hmm. But it didn't look like it was going to be. So he he took up the temptation, uh, put on the helmet, and essentially defeated Ares and went about went about exerting his own justice in his own way yep. to what he sees fit, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, the big thing is, though, the big idea here is, are wars justified? Yeah, see, I picked up on that as well. Mm-hmm. And when you when you really think about it, you know, there is, there is no right or wrong in a war, mm-hmm. right? Because it really depends on what side of the fence you're on. Yeah. Right? You know, like, everybody has their own reason for 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 going to war and and fighting the other person mm-hmm. right so it's there's no right and wrong and you know it's it's really just about survival mm-hmm. right like who's really going to make it out of the end and then whoever ends up surviving are the ones that can decide what's right and what's wrong yeah uh, because uh it was near the end of the book where he claims that um there is no, uh, what was it? There was no right or wrong in when it comes to wars. There's yeah. no good and evil. There's no right and wrong yeah. when it comes to wars. Mm. The the only thing that you're really fighting for is survival. Yeah. And for me, it's it it comes it, it comes as a really interesting point because there are there have been wars in history that you can argue have been um, fought for survival. Yes. Right? Um, and that fighting for survival leads to a point where it's something called a justifiable war. Mm-hmm. Um, this was something that uh, I had to look up. And it was a um, it was an article by Richard N. Haas. Okay. And uh, he's actually the author of War of Necessity, War of Choice. Um, so in here, he talks about a theory uh, called a just war theory. And this was developed by different religious figures throughout history. Mm-hmm. Um, so back in the 13th century, for example, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas laid out three conditions for just war okay. um, that would actually you know, qualify as just war. Yeah. Uh, that it has to be ordered by a competent authority, that the cause must be just, so there must be a, real, there must be a just cause to why they're going to war, yeah. and that yeah. the combatants in the war have to have the right intentions. That entire theory was way too subjective yeah right because well, what's, you, you what, what's the right intention exactly yeah. you you can't you can't argue for right intentions because the intention could be different for both sides yeah you also can't argue that your cause is just mm-hmm. because again that's subjective to what you believe is just right right um so the so that problem that theory just just fell on the problem of being too subjective yeah. so uh, he argues that a justifiable war is a much more useful concept. So instead of just a just war, it's a justifiable war. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, that's wars based off of necessity. Right. Um, and it's a country and its most vital interests are being threatened by the opposition. Mm-hmm. And that's justifiable, mm-hmm. right? Because that's also based on survival. It's a yeah. war for necessity. And in, for example, a couple examples that were listed... Um, for a justifiable war, uh, justifiable war of survival in back in World War II, and as well as when Saddam uh, invaded Kuwait, mm-hmm. right? So those are just wars for self-defense. Like yeah. you, you will have to essentially defend yourself. Yeah. But um, what I wanted to bring up was because the Merciless had talked about the fact that there is no good and evil, right? It's just for survival. Yeah. So really, you can argue World War II on both sides. Yeah. You, it's not just the fact that the world was surviving World War II based on the invasions, yeah. right? Because really, World War II started when they started dividing up some of the some of the German lands. Yeah. I think I think what was the figure? Like upwards of like twelve percent, fifteen percent, or something like that was divided out to yeah. the neighboring country. Yeah, like the Czech and uh, the Pol like the Polish and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have all my history stuff in check, but <laughs> yeah, but that's that's essentially it. Like they felt that their nation was being threatened yeah it messed with their economics right and as a nation they weren't going to survive that treaty mm-hmm. so 
what ended up happening was they just ended up dividing the lands, but the people within the lands are still like they weren't given a choice to leave or whatnot. They just literally said, "We're gonna take this border here, and we're gonna draw that line over there, and make that the new border." Yeah. So anybody who was within that is now part of the new country, but they're mm-hmm. not, right? They're so patriotic towards Germany. Yeah. So actually, when German forces started invading out to try to reclaim some of that land, that's for their survival. That's for their survival as a nation. And actually, those people that were in those outside lands welcomed them, mm-hmm. welcomed those troops in because they're bringing us back, right? Yeah. And to me, that's really interesting because we we've all we all know the result of World War II. We all yeah. know what eventually ended up happening with Hitler overreaching, right? But from a very base standpoint, what Germany did to start World War II is justifiable for them. Yeah. And that's their idea of a justifiable mm-hmm. war. Right. Well, how many times, you know, have you... I mean, there's so many documentaries I've watched where, you know, historians have... Because, you know, everybody views Nazis and Hitler as, like, this really, like evil organization and and really evil like just entity in general right so Mm -hmm. you know when you when you think about them and when you picture them you don't picture good people right Right. but you know so many times historians have looked at at um, you know candid photos of of um, Nazi soldiers you know just out and about being human and they just look like regular people yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they yeah. they're they're smiling, they're laughing. You know, they have friends as well and you know, for the most part like yeah, in in war I mean, yeah, it, I mean, who's right and who's wrong it depends on what side of the fence you're on, right? Mm-hmm. But either way, both sides are human. Yeah. Right? And 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 both sides live similar lives. Yeah. Right? So yeah, I, I always thought that was a really interesting point to make, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Right? Just the fact that, you know, doesn't matter doesn't matter which side of the fence you're on, like you're you're just you're human. Yeah. Right? And I know I sort of repeated myself there, but I was so it was a point that like when you when you had brought that up, Jerry, it just reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. And then you know, you would never think of uh, Nazi soldiers as as being just human, mm-hmm. but they were, and then they looked as such in the photos. So yeah. Exactly, Anyways, I guess yeah. sidetrack. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and the, I mean, there was the, also the famous like during war during Christmas times in the wars where there were like it, there was ceasefire. Yeah. And like exchange gifts and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's also like just like a it's it's their leaders and the countries sort of clash in ideology ideology. Yeah. But the people is just they're the tools to to fight this conflict yeah to sort of argue for their justifiable cause of course but ultimately yeah everyone is human yeah and that's what it comes down to mm-hmm. and you know it's it's interesting that you brought up you know the different ideologies and leaders um uh, because you know what i got from the merciless was at what i thought was at first a more of a shallow point mm-hmm. and then when i got really into it um it seemed to get a little deeper and that for me was the the corruption of power mm-hmm. right uh, you know it's it's so obvious that in this issue when batman puts on aries's helmet he's intoxicated by the by the power and he becomes somebody completely different mm-hmm. right and you know the devastator has very different morals and views than batman did before he he put on aries's helmet the merciless yeah or, or sorry did i say what did i say what did you oh devastator Oh, did I say Devastator? My mistake. I mean, yeah, the Merciless. Devastator is next. Yeah. <laughs> Which is similar. Similar. Well, I mean, we'll Sim- talk about similar, what... Yeah. Sim- it has its differences, but similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but more specifically, actually, the Merciless is corrupted by personalized power. Yeah. In which he's uh, using power exclusively for personal gain, right? As opposed to uh, socialized power, in which you would use your power mm-hmm. for the benefit of everyone else, right? Uh, even though nothing tangible was being gained through his actions, mm-hmm. um, he was gaining the ability to keep the powers he obtained from the helmet, right? Okay. Yep. Because I mean, there were there was one instance actually in 
in the issue where uh, where he, uh, uh, the merciless found out that Wonder Woman actually wasn't killed in the issue, right? Yeah, and it turned. Oh, out she- and uh, spoilers. So, I, I mean, I know this whole thing we're talking about is spoilers, <laughs> but this very specific point about like what Victor's about to bring up is is quite spoilerish, and it will actually change your perspective on the book or on the perspective on the book. So, spoiler warning. Yeah, you've been warned. What, what do we give it? Like a five minute thing? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Just skip it. <laughs> but yeah, and then he finds out that Wonder Woman actually is wasn't killed, and she was just stunned. Yeah. He goes and he kills her anyway. Mm-hmm. When he when she tries to take off his helmet, and I was like, "Holy smokes! Like this guy is gonna do whatever it takes to keep this power." Yeah, and that's when I knew. Even though in this issue he keeps on going on and on about how much he loves her and how much he misses her, he killed her anyway to keep this power. Yeah, and that's how much the power had corrupted him. Yeah, that it just he just needed it. Yeah, right. And it could also be said like that's that's how twisted he was at that point. Yeah, it was. He felt like, with especially with that reveal, yeah. that he had essentially ended up killing Wonder Woman instead of Ares dealing the, the the killing blow. Yeah, he he he's so twisted in the fact that he still believes that he needed to do it. Yeah, to fight the just the just war. Yeah. like that it was justified for him to kill her so that he can carry on this war to help people. You know, yeah. like because he, I think he believes that his power can bring safety to people. Like he, and there was that one part at the end where essentially people started worshiping him. Yeah, right. And that's, I think that's what he wanted to bring down to people. Is like he he was tired of these wars. Like he was just he was the power to end it. Uh, I didn't get that. No, I didn't get that from because he was talking about how. The wars that he that they were fighting, and remember there was the part, um, in the uh, in that war room, where uh, like Steve Trevor and Amanda Waller, yeah, Amanda Waller, yeah. And, you know, Arius and all all those people, yeah, they were talking about power, and yeah. he comes barging in like the Kool Aid Man, <laughs> and he's just, oh yeah, <laughs> essentially like he barged in, and he's just like <laughs> boom, so he comes in and then he goes. Look at these people playing at war. Yeah. I am war. Yeah. I grew up, this what happened to my parents, blah, blah, blah. I grew up, I am war. And this is yeah. what I had to go through. Look at these people playing like they know. Yeah. I feel like he, he wanted to be the embodiment of war so that yeah. he can put an end to these conflicts. Yeah, see, I didn't get that. And the reason why I, I'm not 100% agreeing with you on that one is mm-hmm. because we got to remember the Ares is the god of war. Mm-hmm. Right? And then when... When Batman put on the helmet and became the Merciless, he essentially became Ares. Yeah. Right? So Ares really isn't anything without war. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So he so war needs to continue in order for him to get his power. Right. right? And he, he mentioned as such too, right? Yeah. He was he was questioning Batman trying to defeat him. Yeah. After he felled Wonder Woman. He yeah. was like, Look at all this death around you. Do you think you can defeat me right now? Yeah. Um so yeah, no, I agree with that. But he he talked about like he he talked about fighting for survival, and he went with he went with um the Batman who laughs. I almost said Joker who laughs. He always yeah. laughs. The Batman who laughs, <laughs> the uh, because the Batman who laughs showed up, and it's like your world is ending, right? Sorry, I find that so funny <laughs> yeah. every time you say that. The Joker who laughs featuring the Superman who saves. <laughs> <laughs> and the Flash who runs. <laughs> and the Aquaman who swims. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so the Batman who laughs essentially comes in and tells him that his world is is ending. Yeah. Right? Um, and I think in that issue, he said, at that point, he just said, well, I just went with him because what's the point? Nothing's happening now. Yeah. Because he had ended it all. Yeah. He had done it. Exactly. That's what he wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. So his goal is to get to that point. Uh-huh. He wanted to end it. Yeah. And had the world still existed, he would have just been fine. Yeah. He wanted to put an end to endless war. And so he wanted the power to defeat the God of War to get him out of existence. Yeah. But I don't think he understood the corruption that it would have had on him. Yeah. And that's the part where I felt like like I'm still I still pretty much believe that he wanted to put an end 
to war. Yeah. And I guess that's sort of the paradox of his character, right? Mm-hmm. Like he wants to put an end to war, but no matter where he goes, there's going to be war mm-hmm. because that's just who he is with the helmet now. Yeah. Right? So uh and I guess part of the corruption um also leads into something uh that is called exception making. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that's why that explains a lot of the stuff that he does in the issue, right? Because because he's so full of power, he believes that the rules which govern right and wrong, they, they don't apply to him. Yeah. He believes that they don't apply to him. Mm-hmm. Right. Um and that's and that explains, you know, why why he goes around and just kills, right? Yeah. Uh, just anyone and everyone yeah including wonder woman unfortunately right because even though he knows that it's wrong he's he makes it the exception in order to keep his power yeah again right so really really angry guy (laughs) (laughs) so angry so angry and actually one one sort of like one more thing about about the merciless yeah he essentially went on to wage war as the god of war yeah in the ultimate fight for survival right? yep which is the survival of all of for all of dark universe like the dark multiverse mm-hmm. because those characters all went out to earth zero mm-hmm. and now they're fighting for a place in the world yeah right so well the, not not so much the survival of the dark universe is more so than the survival, survival of, of themselves. themselves right yeah but they want to establish it as their world right? yes so they want to convert it to be like the world somewhere where they can inhabit yeah so, uh, I found this. Yeah, I, I found I found this point to be really interesting because it's, it really it really harkens back to a lot of conflicts that we've seen in history, mm-hmm. and it makes you really question sort of on both sides of the story what it is that, what it is that you see from back then, yeah, and what it is that you see now from a different lens, yeah, right. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, do do you have any final thoughts on the book? Um. Beautiful artwork, so beautiful. Um, the story I thought was was really well paced. Like they didn't do like like the crazy amount of flashbacks like they did in the Dawnbreaker, mm-hmm. which really broke up the pace. Um, <clears throat> but I thought that um, that overall the pacing was good. The story was amazing, in my opinion, um, because it it it's it's a sad story, right? When you yeah. really think about it, right? Yeah. It's a sad story and. And they did they did a good job of of portraying that sadness as part of um, the merciless's motivation to do what he did. Yeah. Right. So overall, good issue. Good issue. Yeah. And the writing, the writing, top notch stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, Peter J. Tomasi, he's a veteran, mm-hmm. veteran in the comics industry, and he wrote this story really well. And the the dialogue that he had, well, they. Well, I guess the inner monologue mm-hmm. or the inner dialogue. I don't know. In the monologue, let's say, there was nobody talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> so the inner monologue for him, and he was as he was describing his choice from start to finish, when that gut punch came, and spoiler alert, again, we're going to be talking about that point again. Just uh, skip over a few minutes. Okay, so that when that gut punch came, when the truth came out about what happened to Wonder Woman, yeah, it, it made me flip all the way back just... I, I finished the book. I look. I put it down and was just okay. So that happened, and yeah. I flip all the way back and I just reread it and I read the words again, but with a new intention. Yeah, and that just turned the whole thing around for mm-hmm. me because it's then you just you sympathize with them and then you despised and then you started to like this this man is twisted. Yeah, right after you find out really what happened. Yeah, and it's just. The, the 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 way that it was written and the way that it was plotted out I think it was just tremendously done oh, yeah. it, that, that gut punch came and oh, it, really, it came and it hit your heart yeah because you didn't see it coming oh yeah dude. yeah so I, I yeah I thought the, the writing was really great uh, the artwork is really great as always I mean mm-hmm. Francis Battle probably my one of my favorite artists at Absolutely. DC right now oh yeah and he's just doing DC work which is amazing mm-hmm. so I um, always love to see more of his stuff oh yeah um, so yeah I, I think I'm a 
I'm about halfway through my drink right now. How about you? How far are you? Uh, are yeah, you? a little more than halfway, actually. A little more than yeah. half, yeah. I mean, you know me. I always finish my coffee before you, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I like to take little sips. Uh, just a little, <laughs> small little sips. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're about halfway through. So I think we're going to go ahead and start talking about the second book. Um, so the second book that we have on deck today is called Batman the Devastator. Devastator. De- <laughs> Sounds like a Transformer. <laughs> I was gonna do the voice like you, and then I choked on my saliva. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the devastator. <laughs> okay, so this book, whew, this book is written by Frank Thierry and James Tiny and the Fourth, with art done by Tony S. Daniel and inks done by Danny Mickey, uh, colors done by, by Tomu More. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, I'm sorry if I didn't get your name right. Just. Forgive me. And letters done, of course, by Tom Napolitano. Yep, that's MVP. the guy, man. MVP. <laughs> MVP. And every time you see it on, on on two books, it just looks completely different on the two books. Yeah. It's, it's really well done. Um, this book is essentially Batman um, facing off against Superman. It's, yes. um, it's a classic Elseworld story where Superman and all its great almighty... Um, turned his back on humanity. Mm-hmm. So, Superman in this issue, you actually don't know why he turned his back on humanity. You don't know why he snapped. Yeah. In other stories, for example, you know, um, for example, in Superman Red Sun, he actually landed in what was it, Russia? That he yes. ended up landing in, right? Yeah. So you. He grew up with that ideology. Yeah. He, he landed it during the Cold War, I believe. So, yep. um, so that was the Red Sun. And then in Injustice, um, Joker tricked him and basically killed Lois and their unborn child. Yeah. Right? So there were always triggers to Superman. So you, you always start with sympathizing of why Superman snapped. Yeah. In this story, you have no idea. Yeah. He just snapped. Mm-hmm. And it actually makes for a really scary perspective of yeah. what would happen when someone of such high power yeah. one day just snaps well it puts you it puts you in um it puts you in the perspective of everybody else other than superman in that in that issue yeah right because like one day he is he's the hope of humanity mm-hmm. and then the next day he's, he's like just tearing everything up and just killing everyone yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. Like, you're just sh- you're just as shocked as everybody else on that issue, because mm-hmm. you're just like, well, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, and it's actually really devastating. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> because you you see you see Batman essentially pleading for his friend back. Yeah. Right and. It's you. You don't see that side of Batman very often because yeah. Batman is always prepared for the worst. Mm-hmm. So you almost get the feeling by them not telling us, but you almost get the feeling that in that world, Batman and Superman are so much closer yeah. than our regular world. I mean, they are like super friends in our regular world, but yeah. they they must have some deeper connection for him to not see it coming. You know what I mean? Well, I mean it's yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of like, it's sort of like if if you had a best friend that you've been friends with for like years, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they just turn into somebody else. Yeah. Right. I mean, at first you don't want to admit it, mm-hmm. right? And then when it gets really bad, you're just like, okay, well, what's going on? How did this happen? Yeah. It's it's the same thing. Yeah. Like right? if you threw that mug of coffee at my face right now <laughs> my first reaction would be like oh I'm sorry no, which that's I me would, I brewed the wrong coffee <laughs> which I would never do Jerry oh <laughs> well then you know then I yeah then I feel great nah, yeah. rest assured for myself <laughs> so yeah that that's essentially the idea for the book and that's yeah. basically what ended up happening yeah um, so do, do you want to essentially basically start us off I, I know you had some really good points about it yeah I mean in in the the devastator the biggest the biggest thing that that really popped off for me is is basically betrayal okay right? and i really i tried to go deeper into the psychology of betrayal but before i i bring up those points i really want to mention that on the f- 
on the surface of this issue, it really seemed like the Devastator is like a scorned ex girlfriend. <laughs> do, do, do you know what I mean? Like, like, like he's like when you're reading the issue, he's just like, "Oh, my, I, I loved you, I loved you, Clark. I didn't see it coming. I should have seen this coming." And then he basically goes, and he so he goes into Earth Zero, and he's warning everybody else about Superman. Oh, this just is watch the, out, man. Yeah, this watch is what out. this is what he did to me. He might do that to you too. He might do that to you and everyone. Watch yeah. out. Yeah, I must protect you. Yeah, <laughs> so so it just seemed that way, right? The scorn, yeah, yeah, the yeah, scorn yeah. ex girlfriend that goes and warns the the <laughs> new girlfriend about <laughs> what the, what the boyfriend did, right? And especially because everyone then he encountered in the story, he went up and he's like, "I must save you." Yeah, he's him. and everyone's like, "What's happening?" Yeah, exactly. Like, Dude, get away from me! Yeah, <laughs> what are you ex- doing? exactly. <laughs> but uh, but I guess back on on topic. Um, I tr- <laughs> I really tried to go into the psychology of, of betrayal, right? Because okay. this is obviously uh, what the devastator was really feeling back in his Earth, yeah. right? I mean, there, there's no question that everybody needs trust in order to flourish and survive, mm-hmm. right? Without trust, a lot of the things that we take for granted wouldn't exist, mm-hmm. right? Like governments wouldn't exist friendships wouldn't exist as this podcast wouldn't exist without trust right right um but once trust is betrayed Mm -hmm. it's very mentally and emotionally distressing Mm -hmm. right yeah Uh, what the what the devastator is experiencing specifically is what i guess we would consider intimate betrayal Mm -hmm. because he was deceived and abused by superman which is somebody that he considered to be his best friend yeah Right and really one of the few people that he could truly trust, right? And again, we we see this throughout the issue where he keeps saying, you know, I loved you, Clark. I believed, uh, you know, that you could give us the world that you promised us, right? And then he goes, but now I know that it was all a lie, <laughs> and I won't let you hurt me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so junior high. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's clear that that. You know, he, he's feeling a really deep sense of, of, of intimate betrayal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And throughout this betrayal, you can see that it's causing some, like, a huge level of mental contamination. Right? Which, you know, and by mental contamination, what I mean by that is it's causing him to imagine, well, not imagine, he's actually acting out a lot of unacceptable, non-consensual acts. Yeah. Right? So in this case, the non-consensual act would be him going around and spreading the doomsday virus to everybody. Right, yeah. Right? Because he believes in his mind that he's doing them a favor. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this actually is uh, brings up another point, and it's actually kind of an ironic point. Okay. Um, when he goes around and he, and he tries to save everybody... That's actually something called the Superman complex. Oh, right, uh, in which he feels because he feels oh, a, fitting. Yeah, I know it's it's so <laughs> ironic, uh, but he f- basically feels a really deep sense of responsibility to save to save everybody from Superman. Uh, but part of the complex is also is also him believing that the human population is incapable of protecting themselves. Yeah, so that he feels the need to save them all, right, um, and actually. We had we were discussing this the other night. You had mentioned that um, that Batman felt the need to be saved by somebody or people. Yeah, felt the then need. essentially the the idea that humans, as a base instinct, all believe that they have a need to be saved. Yeah, and yeah. I actually looked that up, and it's actually called the Cinderella complex. Oh yeah, and it's coined by uh, an author called by uh, named Colette Dowling. Okay, uh, it's it's more. It was initially geared towards women, but we see men display a lot of these uh, as well, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these things as well. And it's more or less the the need to feel uh, saved by something or someone, mm-hmm. right? And and obviously, we see this again throughout this issue, right? Where where Batman keeps saying, you know, I. I I, sh- I believed you, you know, I thought yeah. that you could Everybody protect- believed you, yeah. everybody 
thought you were going to be the hero. Yeah, exactly. Savior, stuff yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I thought that those were all uh, really deep and interesting points that I initially didn't think would come up out from betrayal. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's really cool. Yeah. 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 And actually, <clears throat> the it's it's really interesting, and I I couldn't I actually couldn't find ended up like finding the term for it. So yeah. I'm actually really happy that you did. Yeah. Um, because to me that that really bounced bounced out from the very first like essentially the very first page of yeah. the book yeah right because he he went on and talked about it a lot about how people have this innate feeling that they need to be saved and yeah. that they need to be looking up to this person right and yeah. that he was supposed to be the chosen one that comes yeah. down and saves everyone and then out of su- out of nowhere he just <laughs> gone snapped sorry when you said that I just thought of Star Wars <laughs> when when Anakin is fighting Obi Wan, <laughs> you were the chosen, chosen one. one. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go on, go on, go on. <laughs> so essentially, uh, <laughs> damn, that's <was> quick. <laughs> Obi Wan Batman. <laughs> Obi Wan Batman. <laughs> um, that rem- this so <laughs> not the Obi Wan part. So this part, uh, the idea to be saved and the idea that. Essentially, a savior, savior figure, yeah, um, like a Superman figure, yeah, ended up just going off the rails, yeah, um, without reason, without warning. Um, that reminds me of a of a series that Mark Wade wrote, uh, for which studio it was a Boom Studios, I think. Uh, it was called Irredeemable. Okay. So the idea for that book is there's a group of heroes si- similar to Justice League. Yeah, uh, they have aside from the the main guy, he's called the Plutonian. Yeah. And he has basically Superman powers, Superman like yeah. powers. Mm-hmm. And there's other other people on this team and then they, they fight evil and stuff like that. Yeah. The book starts with Kryptonian having already snapped and killed one of the the league members, the team oh. members. Okay. So he had already killed the team member and everybody else is on the run from the Kryptonian. Yeah. And everybody on on everybody on earth is essentially escaping from Plutonian everybody's living in fear Mm -hmm. and when you're I know you brought up earlier that this basically because you can't sympathize with that character yeah you start sympathizing and putting yourself in the shoe of all the other characters facing him yeah and that is a really for me that's a really strong storytelling element that's Mm -hmm. a really strong storytelling device yeah because you can then really remove that and you can just call that a force of nature, mm-hmm. right? And you can remove that from the equation and say, now how is everyone reacting to this? Yeah. Right? And then from there, you can build a story of what was he like before? Yeah. Why Why do they these guys think that it happened? So they start theorizing what it is about the Plutonian or in this case, a Superman, what it is about them that happened, that snapped. Yeah. Right? And in that book, in, <clears throat> in Irredeemable, mm-hmm. Superman, <clears throat> no, not Superman, Plutonian. So the Plutonian. <laughs> oh, they're all the same. They're all the same. They're the same <clears throat> and it's actually really funny because the end of Irredeemable yeah. threw a curveball that links to Superman. Interesting. Th- that links to the idea of what it is to be Superman. Mm. And it's actually really well written. It's a really well written series. Yeah. I would recommend going to read that too. So uh, more stuff for you to, to read. This is more homework. It's on, the, it's on the bookshelf behind me. So you can always, <laughs> just, just grab just, it. Just grab that. Yeah, yeah. You can just grab the volumes there. Um, but what's really interesting is f- they started discussing what it is that happened mm-hmm. and what specific moments in his life that they felt triggered him. Yeah. And everybody has different theories about what happened. And then they start unraveling things on their end as well mm-hmm. and I think in this story although they only have one issue to work with it right so they, yes. they don't go as deep as into it but you really do sympathize with the other sides and with the other side and you're like so what is it that triggered him and then from people's little actions you're like did someone do this did someone do that yeah and it's yeah it's just it's fun to it's fun to hypothesize yeah yeah, yeah. it's actually interesting that you brought up sympathy because in all the issues so far, you really do sympathize with them at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You really do, mm-hmm. right? Like, you feel bad that these things have happened to them. Yeah. And then when they take the turn for the worse and they become the characters that they do, 
you know you just like well why do i feel sorry for you like, yeah or like why did i feel sorry for you in the beginning because now you're just a big a-hole <laughs> right so it's, you're it's just a big jerk yeah you're just hurting everybody man it's not stop cool. man <laughs> stop it but yeah i mean it's uh, that was, <laughs> i thought it was interesting you did brought that up <laughs> yeah so um yeah but but anyways i, I think that's essentially what we wanted to discuss about the Devastator, right? It's a, I think so, yeah. It's a pretty straightforward story yeah. uh, on the surface, but um, once you dig a little further into it, it's it's really interesting psychology that you can get from it. Oh, yeah, right? for on sure. On the surface, a lot of these stories are, they're, they're very straightforward, point A to B. Yeah. They just get there. Yeah. But it's up to you to sort of figure out what it is they're trying to yeah. tell you, right? And I think that's what's made a lot of these issues good so far, is that you can enjoy them on, on the surface. Yeah, exactly. And then if... You want to dig a little deeper. The the writers and even the artists have given you the choice to do so. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That that option's all there. Yeah. Right. So I'm just down to probably my final few sips. I'm already done. Uh, you what? <laughs> I'm already done. Oh, is that what you? Ha- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to sip it. I see, yeah. I see that you haven't raised it in a while. Yeah. You're yeah. done. Wow. I told you I'd finish it before you. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> you already gave me that warning. I did. Um, okay. So yeah. What what were some of your final thoughts on the book? Um. Again, artwork was great. Mm-hmm. Um. I actually enjoyed Merciless a little bit more than the Devastator, only because with the Devastator, the, he's just basically walking around just, <laughs> you have some Doomsday Virus, you have some Doomsday <laughs> Virus, we're all protected from Superman, right? <laughs> he's like the Oprah of Doomsday Virus, he's just like handing them out like candy, right? So he's Oprah Wonka Batman? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, it was still a good story. I still I like the fact that they left what happened to Superman to the imagination. Yeah. Um, because again, like I mentioned, uh, I guess in an earlier podcast, you know, it leaves a lot of room for other writers to pick it up afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like another yeah. like another writer can come by <clears throat> and just pick up what happened to Superman prior to um, the Devastator issue. Yeah, what what led to that point? Yeah, right. So I I like that there was there's still a lot of room left for that. Yeah, I agree with you, Victor. It's it's really it it's really nice that they leave that that they leave leave that creative freedom for them. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought I I actually I really liked the merciless for for the twist that they threw in essentially yeah. because. It gave me different perspectives on how to read this book. Yeah. But the Devastator is nice too because arguably that family with um with Clark, Lois, and John. Yep. With the kid John. Arguably that is the most important family right now. Yes. In this event. Because Superman, uh, as we know it from the regular Dark Knights Metal series, yeah. uh, has gone off to try to save the, has tried to save the the universe, yeah. and has left essentially Lois and John to sort of protect Metropolis, yeah, right. Well, was well, more so John protecting Lois in Metropolis, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. Right? yeah. But um, the other super characters like the Supergirl, uh, Superwoman, they're they're in the city as well, trying to protect Metropolis from what's happening. Yeah. But you would really. You ever since the start of Rebirth, like you really start to care about that dynamic again because that dynamic kind of went away yeah. in the New Fifty Two. Yeah. So the dynamic between Superman, uh, his wife Lois, and their the kid John. So, yeah. in that perspective, this book really put you on the edge with regards to what is going to happen with them. Oh yeah. When the Devastator showed up in Metropolis. Yep. So, I thought that there was more on the line with regards to what's happening in Metropolis. I didn't, as much as I really cared about Merciless's story with what happened to Merciless, what happened to Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. and the result of trying to end the endless war. Yeah. I did not care about Argus. I did not care about Shade. I did not care about Father Time. Yeah. I did not care. Like, to an extent, I even really didn't care about Steve Trevor. Because in yeah. an, an Elseworld, I, I didn't care what happened to him. Yeah, but I think the reason why those characters were thrown in in that issue is because it it personifies it personifies what the merciless is talking about throughout the issue. Yeah, he he, he it personifies survival, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, like those guys 
like they were going at it with each other at the end just to make sure that that they, they would survive exactly yeah right and and that's exactly what the merciless was talking about yeah right so he it was a so there was it was a dialogue of survival and war from the merciless mm-hmm. with the personification of war and survival from those individuals yeah right yeah yeah so I mean, in, yeah, in that sense, like it plays to the theme well still. Yeah. But I think in terms of character choice, that they weren't characters I cared about much. But I mean, yeah. they're they're ancillary to the story. Yeah. They're not. Well, I mean, who else are you gonna throw in that situation anyway, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so like Rachel Gold. Well, yeah. Rachel Gold was in the other story, so. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So, anyway, so that that essentially wraps up our discussion on the Merciless and the Devastator. Uh-huh. Um. So I think. We should move on to our new segment. Yes. Uh, well, not brand new. It started last week, but uh, <laughs> our new segment called Offerings to the Dark Side. And we have a few offerings this week that I think will be really, really exciting for you guys. So yeah. um, let's do it. Let's do it. And now we're at the Offerings to Dark Side. This segment is where we sort of take something that we enjoy from outside the world of comics and outside the world of coffee and we share it with you and we hope that you enjoy these things as much as we do because we really enjoy them um it's <laughs> <laughs> the only way to put it it's pretty much it's it's, it's pretty much the only way to put it yeah. so uh i'll get started um my offering to dark side this week is a board game called this war of mine um uh, okay you, we played it yeah yeah we played it a few times and it's so fun and it's it's one of those games where you can't go into it expecting to have i wouldn't say a good time mm-hmm. but like you can't go in expecting to have a happy ending yeah it's one of those games it's 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 gut punches it's a little depressing it's a little sad and it's it's based on the based on the video game of the same name, based yeah. on the same uh, video game called This War of Mine, mm-hmm. and essentially you're playing as these um, survivors yeah. in wartime. You're not you're not playing as soldiers in the war. You're playing as people. You're playing as civilians in the war, mm-hmm. the, during war like in war torn countries, yeah. and you're just trying to survive. And you're scavenging. You're recruiting people, and you're trying to survive. Yeah, right. Um, the reason why I want to offer up this game in particular. Is because I know that for a lot of groups out there that play board games, there's so there's always some sort of a, there's always a little bit of intimidation when it comes to complex board games, uh, especially complex miniature based board games. Yeah. Because they have a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. There's just rules after rules after rules. With this game, it was actually very specifically designed so that you don't need to read any rules. Yeah. And I was a little surprised by this at first. Actually, I backed it on Kickstarter. They already told me that. So yeah. I don't know why I was surprised. I think I was just skeptical. Yeah. But when they when they released the game and we sat there and we just put it down and we're just like, let's just play. Yeah. From the first word you read, from the very first night of events, mm-hmm. everything is spoken to you through the game itself. It tells you exactly where to go next, what yeah. phase to do next. And in your little book in front of you, it's a journal and you just flip page by page and it just tells you which phase to go next yeah. and you've essentially played your whole turn mm-hmm. and you start again yeah. and you play turn after turn after turn round after round mm-hmm. and Victor it's so refreshing to see oh yeah it was it's fun it's so refreshing to see it's developers put this type of effort in there yeah. to just get people running on the ground floor yeah it's, of yeah. course yeah. so that's kind of my pick of the week uh-huh. um, that's my offering to all of you if you do enjoy board games like I do <laughs> Yeah, um, we we try to get together regularly to play some board games every now and then. Mm-hmm. If you're one of those groups, I would suggest you go out there and you pick up this game called This War of Mine. Very mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. What about you, Victor? What's uh, your well, in case you know, you listeners don't know, I'm a big anime guy. So my offering. To- really? <laughs> what a sur- what a surprise! Oh my god, <laughs> anime. <laughs> oh. So, so my offering to Dark Side this week, and as well as you guys, um, is an anime called Overlord. All right. Okay. So, Overlord is about um, a dive, uh, massive multiplayer online game. So, what they mean by so it's in the future, right? So, basically, it this MMORPG, everything you can interact with, like physically, you can touch it, you can smell it, okay, taste, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All your senses are tied in, right? Uh, and it's based on this game called Yggdrasil. Okay, so it follows this character named Ainz Al Ghul, and the backstory is after twelve years of this game being run, 
they decided to shut down their servers. So what Ayn al Ghul decides to do is he decides not to log out when um, when they shut down the servers, and then when he wakes up the next morning, he's stuck in the game, right? So okay. so now he's living his life as his in-game character, Ayn al Ghul. Okay. Right. So uh, the reason why I chose this as the offering is it's it's the animation is beautiful. Uh, it's really action-packed. It's got a lot of funny parts to it. Um, it's one of those animes that everybody can enjoy. Okay. Right? All right. So that's why I am offering Overlord. I'm sorry. When did, when did you say it came out? Uh, the first one came out in 2012, the first season. Uh, the second season just came out earlier this year. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, All right. Uh, I actually didn't watch the the first season up until very recently. Okay. So it's, so it's new. It's almost brand new to me, too. Okay. So right. really good. It's called Overlord, right? Yeah, Overlord. Overlord. Okay, all right. So yeah, it seems actually pretty interesting. I gotta go check it out. Oh, Each yeah, season, sure. does it end? Like does it have a defin not a definitive end, but does it yeah. have like a like an end so that like you don't have to wait four years to resolve something? Uh well the first season it does leave a lot of room for the second season. Okay. Right? All so right. It still does leave a few questions unresolved until you watch the next right, season. Right. Okay. But it, it's it's a good cap point. It's a good cap point. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I gotta give that a try. Yeah, man. Um, okay. So that pretty much that those are our offerings this week, and uh, and I think that about wraps up our episode. So uh, yeah. So thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this episode, episode four of the of Dark Rose Comics podcast. And if you like what you hear if you like the episode if you like our podcast please tell your friends share on facebook like us on facebook do what you can spread the word yeah <laughs> word of mouth <laughs> is super powerful and uh yeah we just we want to be able to connect with more people out there we want to be able to to reach more people absolutely out there. and uh and i think it'll be great to, to build a community that way mm-hmm. right um, so yeah, if you have any questions or concerns or suggestions about the show, uh, about what we've talked about, or if you have a book that you want us to discuss on the show as well, uh, you can email us at contact at darkrosecomics.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash darkrosecomics for the show, uh, twitter.com slash otterlygeeky, and twitter.com slash victorjyoung. Those are our personal accounts, uh, or you can just tweet us at our show account. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at instagram.com slash darkrosecomics, and we also have a Facebook page set up at facebook.com slash darkrosecomics. And as always, take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.